Amen. I love that, though. Amen. I hope you come today ready to receive from the Lord uh, what, I, what I know to, to uh, believe that the Lord's laid on my heart. And uh, I'm going to continue. Uh, last week, I talked about what will happen if you miss the rapture. And uh, it is uh, being currently played today on, online. Uh, what, we, what I preached last week, they have to mix it all and do all that stuff, and then they play it this week. So it's a week behind. So, um, but I want to continue with, with that theme, with that idea of end times. Um, and today I'm going to talk about a topic of what happens to you if you go to hell. What happens to you? What can you expect if you go to hell? Now, I hope none of you are expecting to go to hell. So these messages, even last week, what happens if you miss a rapture, was for you to give you current knowledge so that you can uh, invest that or uh, interject that into somebody's lives that you know may not go to heaven. That's the purpose of these messages, because what happens if they miss the rapture? Well, it's, it, we won't go into that message, but the church is raptured out of here. So what I preached on last week is what th- things to look, look for, some things that you can expect, uh, things that people should expect if they think, well, heaven's just a place, and I don't know if it's real, and hell's not really a place. Oh, it's a real place. And so it should be up to us if we love people to say, hey, here's, here's your alternative. Amen? So I want to talk to you today uh, about what happens to you if you go to hell. I'm going to answer several questions today about what is it going to be like? What, are you going to be able to feel? Are you going to be able to talk? Are you going to be able to see? All of these things I think we can find in Scripture um, and give some validity to on what happens if you go to hell. Now, unfortunately, there'll be a lot of people go to hell. According to Scripture, there's a lot of people going to go to hell. There will be a lot of people in the church go to hell. I wish it were not so, but it is true. There'll be people in the church go to hell. This already be this should be gripping you right now. The very fact that you can look in this room and see someone that'll go to hell. They don't have to now. That's never the intent. God did not make hell for people. Made it for the devil and his demons. That's where hell was, that was the purpose of hell to begin with. But people have chosen to go there. So let's look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read uh, starting at verse 19. Luke chapter 16, start at verse 19. We'll read um, through several verses through the end of the chapter. I think about verse 31. Um, I am going to, today I will teach, preach to you, um, kind of like I do on Wednesdays. I'm going to ne- not necessarily read the whole text at one time. I'm going to read part of the text, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that, preach on that, and then I'll read more text and so forth. Uh, I, that's uh, what I, I feel really comfortable ab- uh, about in this message. Um, 
I, I don't, um, I want you to know that you shouldn't take this message lightly. Um, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're playing with God, if you don't have a, a right relationship with God, you very much could go to hell. And that is not my desire and shouldn't be yours. I want you to understand that. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19, very familiar passage of Scripture, but very insightful when it talks about hell. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. In other words, at the rich man's gate. Verse 21, and this poor beggar, was des- he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, or also, the dogs came and licked his sores. He was in a bad way. Verse 22, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Verse 23. Now, I want, to, I want to say this first. Just because you're a beggar and something bad has happened to you does not mean you're going straight to heaven. Just because you're wealthy and you have means and you, you, you do okay does that not mean you automatically go to hell. And a lot of people key in on that. I've heard even preachers, uh, prosperity preachers, preach that if you, see, if you're doing good, God has favor on you, you know, and, and, and you're going, you can go to heaven. Well, that's not true either. Okay? It is a relationship, a right relationship with Jesus Christ that keeps you out of hell. Nothing else. It, it's not complicated. There's one thing you must do. Give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and obey his commandments. We love the first part, give my heart, because we can come and make a confession. And we think, well, I did that. I'm good. Well, there's another little and. And is a conjunction word. It means there's something to follow. There's some additional information that you need to know. And it's more than making a little confessional prayer at an altar or wherever you might make that and saying, well, I'm good. The follow-up is that you must follow his commandments. And if you do not follow his commandments, I question your salvation. Because when you get saved and you give your heart to the Lord, there's a change. There will be a change. And if there's no change, then was it lip service? This is an important topic that you need to know because hell is forever. Just as heaven is forever, hell is forever. When you go to hell. You will have a perpetual body. In other words, you will have a body that will never die. Just the same way you go to heaven, you will have a perpetual body that will live forever and it will experience the goodness of God. Your perpetual body will be in hell and it will experience the excruciating pain of hell. Come on, somebody. Verse 23 And being in torments in Hades, this is talking about the rich man, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Again, let me tell you a few things about that verse. Number one, we know that you'll have a perpetual body because uh, you, you will live forever in eternity. 
Now, what does this body look like? I can't tell you. I can't describe it exactly to you. But I'm going to tell you what Scripture gives us some insights on what your body will be like to some degree. I don't know if you'll look just like you do now. I I don't know that. I don't know if you'll have the same features. I know you won't have a physical body. I know it'll be a spiritual body, okay? I do know that. What does that spiritual body look like? Right now, there's spirits all around. There's good and bad spirits. We can't see them. We can't peer into that arena, okay? But I can see physically. But we see here in Scripture some insight into some things about what our bodies will be like. Number one, we know that you will have your senses, Okay, your five senses. We know that you will have those senses in verse 23 and being in torments in Hades. The senses was you know you're in torment. You know pain. You can understand it. You have enough uh, of, of senses to know that you're in torment and you know where you're at. You have a recollection. You have some uh, idea of, of geography that you are in hell. When you're there, you're going to know that you're not in heaven. You're going to know that you're not here on earth. You're going to know that you're in torment. Now, look at this word. I I like this. When I read the scripture, it says, and being in torments, uh, plural, meaning not just a torment of one thing, but many things you will be tormented with at the same time. Some people say, well, that's just fire down there. Uh, You know, there's so many things that torment maybe you that don't torment me. One thing that I think a torment is, is the recollection or the realization that you no longer have God's mercy around you. God's presence has been removed from you. To me, that would be, we, we don't understand it. We, 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 you and I today, because God's presence is here on this earth, we don't understand that. We can't grasp that. But to have God's presence removed from you, from your presence, oh God. Church, that's not where we want to be. You have mercy right now. It's extended to you, and you don't even know it. You got up this morning because of God's mercy. You can, you can walk out, and you can do different things. You can breathe, move your arms, whatever, because of God's mercy. And hell, there'll be no mercy. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, we'll just hang tight. You'll have a perpetual body. You'll have your senses. Torment simply means excruciating pains excruciating pain of multiple things there'll be pain there'll be torments you will listen to this watch this he says and he lifted up his eyes and saw abraham you will be able to you may not have a physical eyeball but you'll be able to see what's going on around you i know there'll be gross darkness but there'll be something about the eyes that you can be able to see because we know that the eyes are gateway to the soul and you will be able to see in somewhat, some form of, of what's going on around you. You, I believe this to be true. Now, we know that the rich man is in hell. And he's looking into a place where Abraham and Lazarus are currently. Which we know would be metaphorically heaven. I'm quite certain that you, I'm quite certain that you can be in hell and view into some things into heaven. That would be a torment for sure. To know that you could have made a decision to be in that place and now you're here. 
You say, well, I don't know about really that. You know, in Revelations, we talked about last week that when, when uh, Satan and his demons are thrown into hell, do you know that the angels, the Bible says it's going to be in the presence of God's holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and they're going to burn forever and ever and ever? There's some kind of, I don't think you can, you won't be able to go from here to there. But I believe that when you're in hell, you will be able to view those things that you could have had. Now, what torment would that be? That'd be the greatest torment ever. To know that you had, you were one, watch this. You were one statement away. You were one confession away from being there. And you'll see that forever and ever and ever. Hell's a place you don't want to go. You will have eyes, and you can see, and you will know people. He knew who Abraham and Lazarus was. You're going to know, you're going to have enough senses about you that you're going to be able to identify. I believe that you will be able to identify if your neighbors go to hell or that person that you work with every day, if you didn't witness to them and you happen to go to hell, I believe you're going to know them. I believe a torment in hell will be, why didn't you tell me? You went to church. You went to LVA church. You're supposed to be a good Christian. And you never mentioned to me, we worked together for 35 years, and you never mentioned to me one time about hell. Yeah, but I invited you to church. There's a difference. There's a difference in inviting somebody to church than in telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a difference about uh, uh, inviting somebody to church and witnessing it to them. There is a difference between inviting somebody to church to come and to, to visit a program than getting them to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Hell is real, but that would be a torment over and over for eternity. You can't walk away from them. You can't get away from them. It's forever. Hell is a serious place. Verse 24. Then he cried and said, now this is the rich man, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Give me some mercy. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Some things that we learn from this passage of Scripture about hell. He is going to know that he has a tongue. He's going to experience the, the, the heat. He's going to know that his tongue, he says that he knows his tongue is, is hot and he needs it to be cooled. And he's going to ask for torment to be stopped. But it's not going to be. We're going to learn in a minute. The torment will not be stopped. So there's, we see that we have eyes. We have senses. We can see. We, have, we know where we are in hell. You're going to know these things. You know you're going to be tormented. You're going to be tormented with the physical things that we know of today as well. Not just some emotional things that you never thought about like being away from the presence of God. I can't explain that to you. We don't understand that. We've always been under the mercies and presence of God. So that's an unexplainable thing, but it's going to be there because we know that God's mercy won't be in hell. Come on. He just asked God for mercy. God have mercy on me. There will be no mercy extended to hell. The people that are in hell right now have no mercy extended to them. 
But I thought God was loving. He is so loving. I'm telling you, if you're right with God, this doesn't apply to you. It is for you to use as a tool to go tell other people you don't want to go there. But God is a merciful God. Quiet. It's Pentecostal church today. You will be able to talk in hell. He's there. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus. He carries on a conversation. He has intellect. He has reasoning. He knows what's happening. He knows what, he knows what, the, what would solve his problem. How many of you get frustrated when you know what will solve your problem and you can't get to that resolution? You can't get it to be fixed, but you know what to fix it. There's frustration that mounts uh, insurmountably. When you know the answer to the problem, but you can't get to the answer. One of the greatest frustrations in pastoring is when people ask you how to fix this or do that, and you give them the answer, they don't do it. It's frustration that you can't, I can't begin to describe that. I can only imagine in this situation, you will know what needs to be done to fix your problem. But you can't get to it. That is torment. Just like this little sweetheart right here at Bristol. She was crying. I know what to fix that. I know. I, know. I can fix her. But her mother says she had a cough. Oh, I almost changed the rules. I wanted to really bad. That is nothing compared to what's going to be like in hell. Here's another thing about hell. You're going to know that you didn't have to be there. Once you get there, you're going to realize, I believe every person in the world, all 7.8 billion of us, are going to know, I didn't have to be here. There was another choice. You ever made those bad decisions? And I mean immediately when you made it or you said yes or you shook hands on the deal or you signed on the line, whatever it was, and you made that agreement, you knew immediately, I shouldn't have done that. That's exactly what it's going to be like in hell. You're going to know. But here, let me tell you this too. On those deals and those handshakes, if you get in tune with God, you'll know before you sign if you'll put self-will aside, guess what? You won't be in that spot anyway. Kind of sounds like salvation, doesn't it? If you'll put self aside, come on. Put self aside. The Bible says you've got to die to self. It's not all about you all the time. If you'll commit to God, do what God wants you to, guess what? There's some things in your life that will never happen. That will happen if you, that would happen if you say, you know what? I, I'm just going to do my own thing. And then we wonder and get mad at God. Why don't you do this, God? Why are you letting this happen, God? God said, I tried to get you not to do that a long time ago. Amen. Let me move on. I'm getting off. <clears throat> you will feel heat. We said you would have a tongue. You'll have some, some, somewhat of a tongue because he wants to cool the tongue. Right? So you're going to have some bodily features that are remedied 
by natural processes today. In other words, water physically today will be valuable in hell to your, for, in like in Abraham's case, to cool his tongue. So there's going to be some properties here that you know now that will recognize in hell and know that that is the remedy to your problem, but you won't be able to get them. You won't be able to reach over here and say, I need a glass of water or I need this or whatever it might be. Those are torments, church. This is what's going to happen in hell. If you're not right with God, you and I will go to hell without right relationship with God. You will know that you're being tormented in hell. And you're going to know by what you're being tormented in hell. In this case, it was the flame. Let's read it. For I am in the latter part of 24. For I am tormented in this flame. He didn't say I'm being burned up and I'm soon going to die. Have mercy on me. I'm being tormented. In, in other words, referring to a perpetual body that will never die. The flame will never go out. It's, an, it's, a, it's a flame that will continually burn forever and ever. It has been burning since day one. It has been burning forever. It won't decrease. It burns continually. You won't, they won't run out of coal or firewood in hell. Okay? That's not a hope that you'll have. I hope they run out of firewood directly and this flame will cool down. No, it's a perpetual fire that is fueled, watch this, from God to a place that he never intended people to go. If God says there's going to be a fire forever and ever, there's going to be a fire forever and ever. Verse 25, <clears throat> but Abraham said, now I want to bring out something to you in just a minute when I read this passage. I want you to think about what I'm going to tell you. Abraham said, watch this word he used, son. Abraham, father Abraham in heaven looked at a rich man that had died and went to hell and called him son. There's something to this. Called him son. What does son mean? When a father looks at a son, what does that mean? There's some type of relationship. Would we agree that father and son have a relationship? Mother and daughter? Aunt, uncle with nephew, niece? There's relationship involved. Or at least has been. Come on. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want, watch this, those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Once you are in hell, you will never be able to get out. There's no redemption process. There's no waiting time. There's no works. There's nothing you can do to get out of hell. You are there for eternity. You can't get out, and once you're in heaven, you can't be sent there. 
Woo! Praise God. I'm betting on my one chance to get in. I don't know about y'all, but if I can get in, glory to God. So I tell my, my, my wife and my kids, if I die, don't pray me back. I might not get in the second go-round, okay? Let me go on. You're going to be okay. That's good news, church. Once you get there, you can't be sent back to hell. Woo! That ought to excite you. Still hung up on going to hell, ain't you? How you going to get out? Well, that decision's made today. That's today's decision. That's not then decision. That's today. That's right now. That's why you're sitting in your pew. There's been some repenting going on. I've been seeing on your face. There's some repenting going on right now. Amen. I'm going to stay with that, that thought of a relationship, but I'm going to move on just a minute. I'm going to come back to that. Then he said, this is uh, uh, the rich man, I beg you, therefore, Father, there's that, there's that connection again, Father. Now, we understand Old Testament, uh, law, Old Testament genealogy and Old Testament, um, uh, I guess, meaning. That Father Abraham was a father, and everybody called Father Abraham Father. I, I, I get that, okay? But if we look at this metaphorically, and Father Abraham could be looked at as, as, as a God figure, he didn't call those that weren't his own son, that, that belonged to him, his son. He didn't use that terminology unless they belonged to him. Makes us think a lot about are we in not only relationship with Christ, but are you in right relationship with Christ? There'll be many, according to Scripture, says, but that say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils, heal the sick, and do all this, and prophesy in your name? And he says, Depart from me, I never knew you. My point is here. You better know that you're not in just relationship, but that you're in right relationship. Well, how do I know, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you ask. I may get ahead of myself. I'm glad you ask. Number one, have you confessed him as Lord? Have you made him Lord and Savior? That's number one. Now, number two, the proof, as my grandfather, you say the proof is in the pudding. Here's the proof in the pudding, okay? Pudding can look real good, but if you leave out the main ingredients in it, it can look one way and be horrible. And it really isn't pudding. If you leave out some ingredients. So, have you confessed him as Lord? Proof in the pudding is this. And do you obey his commandments? Wait a minute. I didn't know that was part of the deal. Oh, yes, it is. It's as much of the deal as you coming and saying, Lord, come into my life. Because, see, it's a heart change. It's a heart condition. And if there's no heart change, if there's no condition, if there's no fruit from your coming down and bowing and asking the Lord into your heart, if there's no change, then were our words superficial? Did you really mean it? What was your motive behind it? You've got to not only confess and believe in your heart, and you shall be saved, what the Scripture says, and then obey His commandments. If you're not obeying His commandments, then I'm questioning your salvation. That's not an opinion piece. That's what Scripture says, and obey my commands. We find it throughout the New Testament. Matter of fact, you find that in the Old Testament, to obey my commandments. 
Church, there's more to it than just coming down here and getting a little fire insurance and saying a few words behind the pastor and going and living like a hellion out here and saying, well, I'm good. Can I beg you today? Don't chance that. Don't bet your cards on that. Don't bet your life on it because eternity is for a long time. You don't know torment now. You don't know what hell. You say, oh, I've been going through hell. No, you really hadn't. None of us have really went through hell. Boy, this has been a hellacious week. No, it really hadn't. God's mercy is still here. His protective grace is still here. He is still in charge. But when you go to hell, he's in charge. But the devil takes over. Satan takes over. What happens to you? So you're not going through hell. It may be a bad week. But don't ever compare God's goodness and mercy to hell because it is not the same thing ever. I got to hurry. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. This is the rich man asking Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house where I came from. For I have five brothers that they may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. He knows he's in a place. He has the idea or at least the the reasoning that he doesn't want his five brothers to come here. It's that bad. We need to get that mentality. We don't want people that we care for and love to go to hell. We hadn't been there. And I'm doing a, a, a not so good job at describing what it's going to be like because the, the best orator could only just scratch the surface of what hell's really going to be like. But we should have enough idea that hell is going to be a bad place that we don't want anybody to go there. Especially our children and our loved ones, our, our, our moms and dads that may not know Jesus, our friends. It would be sad to say that a Christian came to church and their best friend was not a Christian and the best friend went to hell. As the unsaved friend, I would be questioning how much of a friend I was of yours if you went to church and you never told me about Jesus. What do you have to lose? Oh, a friendship. If it's true friendship... And you're truly in love with Christ. Guess what? They're going to want what you got if you're, if you're displaying Christ correctly. I think a lot of times we don't want to talk to people because about Christ. is because they know we're Christian and we're doing okay because we're in, the, we're in the parentheses of how Christians ought to be. And that's ever how you feel. And so we know if we get sold out and bought out by Christ, guess what? There's going to be some change and have to go on in our lives. And we're not sure we're up to doing all the changing just yet. So why don't we just let you do you and I'll do me. Verse 29. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. This gives so much 
validity and importance to what I preach to you have been for 11 years. You must get in your word. You must know what the word of God says. He says, at this point, he's, he's, if you could take this and put it in, in today's life, it would say, they have the Bible. They have the Bible to read. They're not going to believe somebody coming back from, from, from hell. They got the Bible. You should read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, then it's all on you. You must read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. I can't, I can't tell you enough times. Read your Bible. Read it for you. Know what His Word says. When you read the Bible, you're going to know the commands. And when you know the commands and you've confessed, you'll start doing the commands. We must, church, read the Bible. There's going to be no excuse. There's going to be no option when you get to hell. To get out. Oh, but I didn't read the Bible. It doesn't matter. Well, here's plan B. We'll send somebody back from hell. Tell you about it. No. It's not going to work that way. You're going to, this is part of torment. Oh, if I could have just told him, Lord, let me tell him. I beg you is what the scripture says. I beg you, Abraham, let me go tell him. No. No, I can't do it. But they're going to go to hell. They got the Bible. Sounds cruel, doesn't it? Sounds like, oh, what kind of God would, would say that? What kind of God would make them read the Bible? We've been spoon-fed as Christians. Shoveled into our mouths. Just this week. I had made an executive decision. Sam was not going to be here, and Hunter wasn't going to be here. I didn't have my message ready when they had to leave to go for the possible delivery of, of, of Levi. And he said, well, do you have your scripts? I said, I'm not finished with my message yet. I said, but it's all right. They can bring their own Bibles. Because we're so used to, I don't bring my Bible because it's up there. Need to bring your Bibles. You need to get it on your phone. We may have a misprint. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to be reading it. Don't check your brains at the door at this church. That's foolishness. I'm human. I have humanity running through my veins. I can make a mistake. Come on. Know your Bible. Read your Bible. Abraham, verse 29, I'll reread. Abraham said to him, I have, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. My God, we're looking for a sign. We're looking for a sign from God about everything, and he puts it in his word. Are there signs and miracles that God performed? 
absolutely every day that you may not find it recorded in the Word of God, but they fall under signs and miracles and wonders. But we're looking for that, and so many times it's in God's Word where we find the answer to life's problems. It's in God's Word where we find we don't need to go to hell. It is in God's Word where we find that He is a loving, merciful God, that He desires for none of us to go to hell. No one. I told David Dodson, I believe it was yesterday, God died, now hang on, God died for Hugh Hefner. Some of you young ones say, who is that? Playboy. Get it? You got it now. God died for him. It kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes if I ain't in the right spirit. What? Well, wait just a minute. I've never done any of that. Been loyal to my wife and you died for him like you did me. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Lee, will you come to the piano? You will constantly be reminded in hell of what you should have done on earth. Did you hear that? You will constantly... Be reminded in hell, if you're in hell, if you go to hell, what you should have done on earth. That's a torment. Oh, my God. You ever beat yourself up over a decision that in, in, in three days now won't make any difference? It's not going to be a big deal. You ever done that? Sure, we have. If, you, if, you, if you're alive, you've made it. Oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. And in three, four days, it don't make no difference what that decision was. It was for that moment. This decision will be for eternity. It'll be like over and over and over every, every moment. I believe we'll have a, 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 a sensory capacity to a level that we've never known here. That you'll be able to process all of this information at the same time. The flame and the heat and, and what we should, what we did do. And, you know, you get me going now and I got I to gotta shut that box and open up another box. And then open that box and shut this box, okay? But there I think you'll be able to, you'll be able to experience everything at the same time of things you should have done. I think you'll be able to remember constantly how many times you talk, well, listen to me. How many times you talk to yourself or your children or your wife out of coming to church or doing something for the Lord? Come on, you're going to know all of these things. Your senses, according to Scripture, they just, they're not cut off. They don't die. They really come alive in hell. And you're, you're going to remember all of those things. When you get saved, the Bible teaches us that the Lord forgets those things. He throws them in this sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. Remember to be remembered no more. When you get to heaven, guess what? You're judged on your deeds and your works, not on whether you're saved or not, okay? You're judged on your deeds. Guess what? The things that you've done are remembered no more after that point. Think about that. But when you get to hell, 
you're going to remember them. You will remember everything you've done, everything you should have done. Every time that you said, you know what, I put this importance over this, over God. I put importance over, over prayer and reading with my children. I put importance on, well, we just let that slide. That's not a big deal. The church ought to do that. Church, the church should take care of that. I mean, that's where we go for our spiritual growth, isn't it? No, it's not. You don't come to church necessarily for your spiritual growth. Your spiritual growth comes from reading the Word of God every day at your house, having communication with God in prayer every day at your house. That's where your spiritual growth comes from. You come here to have fellowship and to be edified and be uplifted by the church body according to Scripture. But we have watered down the church. We've watered down our spiritual life and say, this should get it. And if we don't get spiritually fed, if we don't spiritually grow, then it's the church's fault. You will be in hell and remember every time you should have taken your children by the hand and said, let's pray. Let's read God's word. Let me teach you about God's word. And if we're not careful, you'll hear your kids sitting right beside you or standing behind you, whatever's going on in hell, and saying, Daddy, why did you not do that? The screams of your children, she's not mine, broke my heart. I can only imagine in hell, the screams, the finger pointing. That if you would have, Dad, if you would have, brother, if you would have, son, why didn't you tell me? You went to the LVA church. My God, I thought they was doing something. If we're not winning the loss, we're not doing anything. It's time, church. You get up off your blessed assurance and you start reading your Bible. You start getting on fire for God. Don't wait for me to try to get you on fire. I can't light you. Only the Holy Spirit can light you up. Only the Holy Spirit can motivate you to do what you're supposed to do. It is not my job. It's your job to motivate you. Yes, I'm supposed to preach to you correctly and give you the word of God. And I pray that I do that in the moment that I can. I'll leave here. You won't have to ask. But when are we going to quit playing footsie with God? When are we going to quit gambling on eternity with our lives, with our families? When will we quit gambling? So many of us today, we gamble with God. We gamble that we got another hour. We gamble that we got another day. We gamble that we got next Sunday. We gamble that we, that we got more time with our kids. And you are not guaranteed one second past right now. If you're living now, you're already on borrowed time, so to speak. When are we going to wake up? When is God going to be important in your life? It's always important to me. Well, if you're not gathering up everybody that you can, that you have some authority over and getting them to the, to the house of the Lord, gathering up and having some type of prayer meeting or, or some type of Bible study with them, whether it's grandchildren or your own children, and studying the Word of God with them at nighttime, then I question your passion about the Lord. I didn't, I didn't question your salvation. I said I question your passion about the Lord. 
which is very close line for me to question you about your salvation. Oh, Pastor, you're getting off up in that judging stuff. I understand the severity of what Scripture says when it says judge not lest you be judged. Because what I say from this pulpit, you will not be judged for. But I will be judged for. I understand the severity of what's when I speak words that seem to be harsh. I understand that I'm in a different judgment than you will be. And I say it with full consciousness, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, that I believe that some of the church, a lot of the church will go to hell because we're playing with God. But it doesn't have to be that way. God loves us. He loves you more than you can imagine, more than you can ever dream. God loves you. He wants us to be with Him in paradise, if you will, forever and ever. He doesn't want us to go to a place called hell. He doesn't. I'm going to recap ten things taken from this passage of Scripture and then I'm going to close. In verse 23, you'll be able to feel pain. In verse 23, it also says you'll know who you are. Verse 24 says there'll be no mercy in hell. In verse 24, it says you'll have an understanding of a torment, and you will know what the remedy is, but you will not be able to do anything about it. Verse 24. In verse 24, you will burn with a a literal fire. Uh, The rich man called it a flame. There'll be some type of uh, literal flame That'll burn you. Verse 26. You will not be able to get out of hell once you are there. No one can come help you in your torment. Verse 26. No one can speak words of hope to you. Give you a drink of water. Or extinguish the flames that you burn in. Verse 27, you will beg but to no avail. You will beg to leave hell. You will beg to leave this place of torment. You will beg to have some of your sensory uh, sensors, uh, senses to be calmed down, to be cooled. You'll, you'll beg for this, but it will not happen. Verses 28 through 30, you'll want to warn others not to come to hell, but you will not be able to. The only time, listen to me, church, the only time that you can warn others about hell is while you are living on earth. Now is the time. Such a time as this. Today is the day that you make up your mind that I'm going to start telling people you don't want to go to hell. It doesn't matter if it's offensive. It does not matter anymore. It's hell that people are faced with if they don't know Jesus. And we're called to be Christ-like. We're called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his mission and his purpose while he was on earth was not to perform miracles, by the way. Was not to give you a sign. It was not to heal the sick. He did those things because it is who he is. His purpose and mission was so that humanity could be saved from a place called hell. 
And if we're to be Christ-like, we're walking, walking around, wanting to be those that heal people, wanting to be those that, that can perform miracles, and those are great things. But if that's the goal, if you've never won anybody to Christ, what have we gained? You have lost, hear me, you have lost your mission and purpose as a Christian if souls aren't front and center. And the last thing that we find from this scripture, passage of scripture, that is not written in this scripture, but it is so much alive in this passage of scripture. The only time that you can accept Jesus as your Savior is while you're here right now. This is the only time, believe it or not, it's not a cruel God. He's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. Nothing like that. Now is the time. Right now, today. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day that you can accept him and follow him. Today. You can't do it one second. There's not a five-second rule in hell. Come on. Some denominations believe that you get there for a while and you stay there and you work your way out. That is incorrect. That is unbiblically true. Once you are there, you are there for eternity. No getting out, no passing go, no collecting $200, no get a redo. You don't get to come back and talk to your family. None of that. You're in hell forever. Why, church, tell me, why would we play with such a fragile gift? Why would we want to throw it around like it's nothing? We treat the gospel and salvation like a dirty old washcloth. We throw it around, it gets kicked over here, kicked under the washer, nothing like that. We ought to be treating the gospel of Jesus Christ like a newborn baby. Something that you want to love and cherish and help grow. See, God wants the gospel to grow in you. He wants it to be cultivated. I hope after today's message you understand at my heart why I am so hard. I am a hard person. I am a hard, hard I get it. I am a hard person when it comes to your church attendance and your church, uh, in your Bible, in your personal growth. I am hard. I get it. I'm okay with that. I do it intentionally. I want you to come and be edified. I want you to be Christ. I want you to be engaged in what's going on in the kingdom. I am hard on that. I know I'm hard. I beat myself up sometimes. I'm so hard. Pastor, I tell myself, Pastor, do you always have to be that hard? 
I don't know if I do or not, but that's what I'm doing. That's, that's just the way I am. It's not because I dislike you. It's not because I'm beating you up for having a good time doing this. But it's because I see things in, in, in ways that maybe you don't see them as your shepherd. I see a path that people go down repeatedly. And I'm not sure that they'll make heaven. It's not about you coming to church. That's a part of the process. That's an indicator of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, church. It's an indicator. I can see it. Oh, I love Jesus, but you don't do anything for him. I'm questioning. It's an indicator. The Bible says you'll be known by your fruit. I didn't come up with it. And here's the deal. You can look at your fruit and say it's okay. That don't mean one thing. What does your fruit look like when it's laid up against the Word of God? What does it look like? If you're only in your little world, watch this. If you're only in your little world and you think everything's going right, once you step out into some other people's world, you see, my Lord, you can think that your child is the smartest child ever if you never take them anywhere. Oh, look at them. Man, they can tie their shoes. Well, they're seven. They ought to be able to tie their shoes. And you, you'd be surprised. Oh, my child, he can do this, and they can do this. and Oh, they know their ABCs, and they're so young. And you get out into the world, and you get them going to play dates with other kids, and you realize, my kid's retarded. They're behind. Come on, why? Because, see, when you look at your fruit, you don't want to line it up with against the Word of God. Because then, see, we see that bad hanging fruit. That fruit that uh, it begins to stink and grow fruit flies. Watch this. Now listen to me. Listen to me and I'm going to close. If your fruit is drawing some spiritual fruit flies around it, you might want to look at something going on in your life. Because fruit flies show up when things start going south. Come on. You don't believe me? Put you a bundle of bananas on your table. And the first day is okay, second, third. But after about four or five days, you don't start eating. They start turning black. You'll start seeing fruit flies. Because they're going bad. I think we got a lot of fruit, fruit flies flying around in the church house. If you don't know Jesus, bow your head. If you don't know Jesus today, I don't even know how to close this message. Except this right here. And I've done all I can do. And I'm not going to do any more. I'm done. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I need the saints of God praying. I don't need you saying a lay me down to sleep prayer. I need you praying. Because there's souls in the balance. And if you say we're in a church family. Let's pray for the church family. If you don't know you'll go to heaven today. If you were to die. If you were to give your last breath. If you were to die in an automobile accident. Going right out here to stop sign at McDonald's. Doesn't make me any difference how you do it. But you're dead. And you don't know that you're going to go to heaven. You're not 100% sure. I'm not, thinking, I'm not talking about maybe I might. I'm talking about if you don't know that you're going to go to heaven. I mean without a shadow of a doubt. I want you to get up. 
unashamedly, and I want you to come to this front. We're going we're to lead you in a sinner's prayer. Then we're going to be requiring some stuff of you. If that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come to these altars and say, I'm, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus in my life. It's no shame to this. There's no shame. Well, I once was, and I feel ashamed. So what? Come now. Jesus is calling. Jesus is waiting. The Holy Spirit is in this building. The Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. If that's you, I want you to come. I want you to get up from where you are, and I want you to make your way. If you're in the balcony, start coming. If you're down here, I want you to get up right now. I want you to come. If that's you, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. Well, let me say this. You already know where you're going to spend eternity. That's not a question. You know. If you don't know you're going to heaven, I want you to come. 